Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. about to be spoken here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy presented to you exclusively by podcast feed and at freeshows.com. I of course am John Alba joined as I am every single week by the broken one, the woken one, the spoken one, the wearer of the five Cinco five Cinco five star t-shirt. Delete. Mr. Matt Hardy. Broke. You're coming. Matt. Are you, who are you today? Matt Hardy will not die. I am all of them. Okay. And they are all me. Multifarious. Matt Hardy. Multifarious Matt Hardy, yes. That is an Excalibur buzz term if I've ever heard one. <laughs> it was my word. He was very good. He loved saying it, though. You know, yes. That was, that was a, an idea of something I was going to try. Maybe it would have been different uh, without existing in the pandemic era if we'd actually been uh, in front of fans and mm-hmm. had, uh, had more feedback than just... Uh, wrestling twitter i just i really hope we have not seen the last of broken matt in aw i still think there's same merit there somewhere when and where who's to say but there's merit there i agree i uh, how you doing man it's been a busy week you're coming to us from philadelphia this week we were together last week in new york city for grand slam what a wild show that was over in Arthur Ashe Stadium. A few things I definitely want to hit on there. First, let's talk about you. Reuniting with Private Party. Uh, I am so happy that moment happened. You know, we had been kind of going back and forth, and you could see there was still a bond there, that there was still a connection there, and there had been teasers on BTE, and uh, we almost manifested it back into reality. You know, and, and, and I was so happy. We obviously did rampage following dynamite that night. It was about uh, 12, 22 AM in the morning. I'm not trying to be exact or anything. No, you're not. 12, uh, 12, 22 AM in the morning. And uh, we, we did that reunion where we all shared that hug in the middle of the ring. And uh, it, it got a great reaction from the, 
15,000 or however many people were still there at that time. And I was really happy and, and, and proud of that. And myself and private party, there is like a legitimate bond between all three of us as friends. And, and they really do look up towards me as a mentor. And I look at them as my disciples, you know, as my students. And I'm very happy to give back to them. And then we just, we really share a bond and connection on a personal level as well. So that, that was really important to me to, to reconcile with private party. And I'm glad it happened there in Queens, New York, Both those guys are from New York, as people know. And the fact that the crowd reacted to it, which was amazing because like, it wasn't an angle that had been pushed hard on TV and whatnot. We'd done bits and pieces to try and start making this work. And, and it really got over big and everybody was so happy with it. And uh, I know the AEW office said it was a great piece of business and they were super happy about it after coming back through. So uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see what the future holds for the three of us now. Why do you think the three of you guys hit it off so well? Because they allowed themselves to be genuine. They allowed themselves to say, like, man, you you and Jeff, you guys were our heroes. Like, you were our inspiration for wanting to become wrestlers, you know. And it's so funny. Mark Wynn said he always liked big guys. He said he was a huge Undertaker fan. He was a huge Kane fan. But he said after I saw the Hardy Boys, it was like a game changer. He's like, man, if these guys can do it, then I can too. You don't just have to be a big guy. And, you know, Isaiah was kind of cut from the same cloth in, in a lot of ways. He said, if these guys can do it, then I can too. They're so cool. And they're doing these these moves and they dress differently than anybody else. And then those guys kind of became friends over the Hardy Boys as well. So it, it's, it's just so cool that they had this dream and we were their, you know, their heroes, so to say, earlier on. And then, like, they got to meet me and then we got to know each other personally and we shared a lot of stuff in common. And then we just became, like, legitimate friends, you know. So it, it's a really cool deal. And even like wrestling Twitter or internet people, you know, like private parties got to get away from Matt Hardy, but they were like upset, you know, whenever we had to separate or leave and they were so happy to be back with me because like, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily make a difference of what you see on camera when the red light is on, you know, after we go through the curtain uh, in, in the big scheme of things, I will always have Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Wynn's best interest in mind. I think one of the reasons you got that response at first was because people didn't want to boo you three like i understood why you had the heel turn and i understood why you did the whole big money mad stuff with them and in the end in the long run i think them being heels probably made them a lot better as absolutely. Baby faces. It, it, absolutely it just made them better overall workers but the three of you are people that the fans don't want to boo you, they they watch you. They love you for your nostalgia and what you bring to the table. They watch them. They're great athletes. They're super charismatic. Isaiah is hilarious yeah. to watch wrestle. So they like the three of you guys. So I think now that all three of you are baby faces, that will play into things a lot better. And I'd love to see you guys make a trios run. I think it would be great TV. Same. I agree. I think uh, maybe some Matt Hardy pep talks to private party backstage. That could be good television, getting you guys ready to face off against Triangulo de la Muerte, Death Triangle. <laughs> Look at that. Look at dropping some Spanish this morning. Just trying to impress Rebbe. That's all I'm trying Mas to do. Yeah, que la muerte. Claro que sí. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, that would be a lot of fun. If, if it's not going to happen with Wardlow and Jeff, I think private party is going to be the way to go here for you. Would you have interest in being Trios champ? Yeah. Absolutely, hundred percent. I would, I would love to do a run with Private Party as a, as a trios team, and, and, you know, fight and challenge for the titles. I would love to do that. That'd be so fun. You ever been? I mean, a, it, you've never been a trios champion, have you? I have not. No, I've never, be, I've never been somewhere regularly that there is a trio title available. So, you know, the AW is the first place now. So that would be, that'd be a, a cool, a cool uh, 
notch to add to my belt, actually, being a trio champion. Well, and you come through the lineage of the Freebirds. So I do, yeah. I, I am I am one of the OG Freebirds in many, many ways. Exactly. Do you do you like trios wrestling? As a wrestler, how is it different putting together a trios match versus a standard tag? I do. I do enjoy trios wrestling. I mean, I enjoy tag team wrestling because I think it puts just a such a whole new perspective on a wrestling match. And once again, the, the trios just kind of ups that perspective just as well. I feel like when you have more men, uh, it gives you more possibilities of different things you can do. You can do different and unique moves and different combinations and whatnot. It just gives you a lot more toys to play with. And I think you can really make a, a, a more entertaining match. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about some trios action. Okay. Well, maybe that's something we'll be seeing on AWTV. If, if you want to see it on TV, tweet at Papa Khan, let him know. You want to see yeah. Private Party... And Matt Hardy challenge for the trios championship. I know Tony Khan's checking his Twitter, so if you just send those tweets to him, he'll be seeing them. Uh, some other big things that happened at Grand Slam. Everybody loves the acclaim, Matt Hardy. Yeah, they Everybody do. Everybody loves the acclaim. Matt Hardy loves the acclaimed. I know that it, that excites Anthony Bowens quite a bit. He tweeted that out when we shared that clip from our podcast. Yeah. You can check yeah. out in the archives, extremehardy.com. They got their big win against swerve in our glory and i gotta tell you matt this was one of the loudest pops i've ever heard in person at a wrestling show it was chills inducing when they won did you get a chance to see the finish of the match and i know you saw the promo afterwards that aw yeah. put on social what'd you think of all that in the acclaimed winning i uh i, I thought it was great i thought it was a, a great time for the acclaimed to win and and i have to i mean i'll say first and foremost me I'm all big about acknowledging like hard work and especially when someone busted their ass right from the jump and you see someone get over organically, you know, because that's what myself and my brother had to do. You know, we kind of were behind the eight ball. We'd been job guys, you know, and like all the vets on the local Carolina scene, one guy specifically, he would go, Hey, you guys got to stop zobbing. You got to stop zobbing. You got to stop zobbing. And that's just how he was saying, as opposed to saying Carney, uh, like jizzobbing you know, throwing that IZ and, you know, he just cut it down to Zobbin. You got to stop Zobbin. You got to stop Zobbin. So these people who said, if we continue to, 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 to Zob, we were never going to make it at any point in any day. We just believed in our talents. We believed in our abilities. And, and we thought we were good enough to actually prove we were worthy of being there under contract and being a legitimate WWE superstar. Lo and behold, we bet on ourselves and we won. So uh, even going back to the acclaim, I know those guys, they had offered them individual contracts at WWE, if I'm not mistaken. And they signed with WWE and Tony put them together as a tag team to see if they would work, you know? So they were kind of like, you know, not a tag team before. And then they just started working together and, and they were really in unison. And I loved Max Caster's raps. I, I'm a big fan of his, uh, his creative rap style. I'm a big rap fan in general. I, I love to freestyle. Hell, I almost got like a gimmick like that you because did. of myself and John Cena rapping on the, the bus on European tours, doing freestyles. But, you know, Max Caster doing that deal and Anthony Bonds is, is such a unique, inspiring story as well. You know, him coming out and revealing his sexuality and really leaning into it and like being someone who's a role model for young young men like him. Uh, I dug all that, you know. So once they got over and they, they hit so big organically, it makes me proud because you can tell they put in the effort and they bust their ass and they're very passionate about what they do. So I will always, always acknowledge hard work. And those guys worked hard to to get to the spot they're in. What's so amazing about it is even 10 years ago, the thought of someone being an openly gay wrestler would have been, I don't know about frowned upon, but not necessarily something that was in the open. I really think 
the whole Darren Young, Fred Rosser thing really changed a lot in terms of yeah. that perception. He was and a now, huge breakthrough guy, and I was real proud of him for that. Yeah, real proud. Of and him and now you see this influx of LGBTQ plus talent in pro wrestling, where it is a normal thing, and that's so fantastic. And a guy like Anthony Bowens, who and he's even talked about this, he kind of strikes against stereotypes, and here he is as a champion in AEW in an act that has gotten over completely organically, as you said. They were homegrown guys mm -hmm. who were essential during the pandemic era for AEW. And now they're rewarded with this amazing moment. They're paired with daddy ass, your boy, and they've managed to put something really special together. And one day, if we get a Hardy boys acclaimed feud, maybe we'll have to see a rap battle between Max Caster and Matt Hardy. I'd love that. <laughs> Be careful what he might say. I know you got some things that, uh, it's all right. He, he, he's at that point. I'm, I'm at that point in my life where I know who I am and I know what I've done, both good and bad. <laughs> uh, and there, there's a victory in that, John. There is. Truly comfortable in your own skin. So he can he can come as hard as he wants to. I'm all good because there really is. I'm, I'm very comfortable with who I am. And, uh, and and there's a victory in that in life. If he comes as hard as he wants to, maybe you'll be able to scissor with daddy ass right after that. So let's <laughs> make things outstanding. Um, Mom, and, then, <laughs> and then last thing that I want to add from that show, we saw the debut of Soraya in AEW, the former Paige yeah. in WWE, a success story in her own right. She's a total sweetheart. I've interacted with her a few times, and she's a legit star. What do you think of her coming in for that women's division? And whether she wrestles or not, we're not sure yet, but certainly going to be a contributor in some fashion. Uh, a huge contributor in terms of star power for the women's division. And uh, if if she ends up being physically okay that she can wrestle on like a, a part-time basis, at least be you know physically interact with the other females, it's going to be a huge boost for the for the division. I mean, she she was truly one of the cornerstones of the initial women's revolution, you know, where women's wrestling started being taken uh, much more serious on, you know, American pro wrestling programming. So uh, I, I dig her as well, too. She's been, you know, she's on Twitch and there's times where, you know, my wife, where Queen Rebecca is actually streaming and she'll do a raid to Paige. And I know that it's gone back and forth and that they, they get along real good. And she's just a, a sweetheart in many, many ways. So I, I'm very happy for people who suffer these career ending injuries and then get an opportunity to kind of come back and be a performer. You know, I want them to be safe and I want them to put their health first, but I'm just very happy when people get that second chance they were originally denied. I think it's a, a very important deal and it's, it's paramount that they get that opportunity. And she's someone who's overcome so much adversity herself, mental health, addiction. She has gone through all that stuff and she's thriving right now. And that's so great to see and actually, Matt, next week on the podcast, we're going to talk about your exit from WWE in 2010. And I, I know that we're going to hit on some of those stuff a, a little more in depth. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm excited to pick your brain on that and hear how you've been able to overcome a lot of that stuff. You touched on it some in our mental health and addiction episode, which is in our extremehardy.com archive as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, it's we, we got busy times here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy before the week after that. It's celebration of 30 years in pro wrestling uh, with Matt Hardy. So it's going to be 
great. It's there you have it. Fantastic. Um, Three decades just fly by, John. And you are still younger than the hurricane. So it's just <laughs> incredible. Uh, and there was one thing I did want to add last real quick here before we start our conversation about our episode today, which I'm very excited for. Uh, I did put some stuff out this week about looking for some new opportunities. And we got some tweets that are like, oh, is this the end of the extreme life of Matt Hardy? It is not. The extreme life of Matt Hardy is strong as ever, stronger than death. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep trudging. Mas la muerte. Exactly. So you leave that five single, five single, five star yes. review. Again, we're going to pick a contest winner. How about this? Next week, we'll pick a contest winner and we'll leave that personalized video message for whoever tweets us their five star review at John Alba, at Matt Hardy brand, at Matt Hardy pod. Send it to us and make sure you get that in. So. This week, we are talking about Cameron Grimes, Trevor Lee, Trevor Lee Cadell, a young man who you have known for a very long time, Matt Hardy, quite literally since the moment he was born. Yes. And this was one of those episodes that when you and I met in person to talk about what could we discuss on this podcast, I think we both said, you know what, this could be a really cool one. So I'm excited to dive into it. With that said, Matt Hardy, hit us with MF Fact. Mad fact, Matt's Minicule Street has produced the most contracted wrestling superstars. And what is the name of said street? It is Boys Camp Road. So the, the superstars that, that, that lived on uh, that road, obviously, are Matt and Jeff Hardy. And then Trevor Cadell lived with his dad, Tracy Cadell, and his grandmother for quite a while, right when he was first born and whatnot. So he actually grew up on that same road as well. And then there was also Shannon Moore. So that road stretches about four miles. It's minuscule in the big scheme of things. But in those four miles, there has been four superstars that have had multiple contracts in different companies in pro wrestling. Pretty impressive, I would say, especially for a city, Cameron, a podunk city, which still has a population of 218 people. They should put that in a Hall of Fame. They should build a Hall of Fame on Boys Camp Road. <laughs> that that yeah. might be the tourist. I, I, I thought about it. You would do that? Yeah? You'd build a wrestling Hall of Fame? Uh, it wouldn't be specifically by my house, but, uh, of but course. we could put one on one end of the property, maybe. I could put it up by Senior Benjamins and let him stand guard. <laughs> Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. So Cameron Grimes, on the surface, some people may not know that there's any association whatsoever with the Hardy Boys and mm -hmm. the man who has been shot straight to the moon on NXT programming. But your ties actually run pretty deep and it goes all the way back predating Omega. And that is around the 30 years of Matt Hardy, October 1992. You're finally having some quote unquote real matches after your TWF run. <laughs> right and started back in 88 brother 88 so we've already surpassed 30 yeah. years i was in the twf territory since 88 brother how about that Trampoline so federation we not only was, not only was i talent i was uh six different talents and i was also the uh the writer i was the producer and also did all the uh the video work as well 
were you booking travel to? Uh, yeah, I would just we'd have to walk uh, outside to the backyard to get there. So I would book it though. I'd make sure to make sure Jeff was going in the right direction. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it wouldn't be. So yeah, there you go. Okay, I like that. And Shannon Moore's like seven years old at the time, so at, at least he may even six. I don't know. Arranging rides for him very important. So okay, he was so, seven years old. I got to tell you this. Let's hear it. This is the, the true story. So if you don't know, we begged our dad for about a year to get us a trampoline. You know, we, we weren't, we were very poor and we just wanted a trampoline for Christmas. That was our gig. And Jeff and I wanted to build a ring around it. If he just got us the trampoline, we'd do all the rest. So he got us a trampoline where, you know, young kids, teenagers, and uh, we go out to the, in the woods, in the forest, and we take an ax, we cut down trees, we skin these trees so that all the bark comes off the trees. We buy a garden hose. And then we take this wire that my dad had and we run it through the garden hose and we like dig holes around the trampoline and we put like a, we square off a piece of the trampoline. So it's like a wrestling ring. And that was the, the TWF ring, the teen, the teens wrestling federation, trampoline wrestling federation. We called it both things for some reason, but th there was a point where I was with Shannon and he was so little and I was high voltage, the mean, awful, evil hill champion who more or less was, uh, you know, a knockoff of like the Freebirds, Michael Hayes, Jimmy Jam Garvin specifically. And I set Shannon up on top and I was going to do a superplex and I went to pick Shannon up and I kind of lost my uh, footing a little bit and my balance. And then I dropped him back and I gave him a slingshot off the uh, tree that was there, the, the hard tree that was on the top of the pole and like slingshot him off the tree. He's like, ah, and he was crying. He got so upset. I mean, he was legitimately like seven years old. And, and, and Jim was like, dude, you can't do that to my friend, man. Like, He's he's little. You can't hurt him like that. That's that's messed up. You did that, and that's a memory that Shannon and I talk about all the time. Giving him a a slingshot off the pole, which was a tree that we chopped down in the forest in the TWF ring. In, insane, man. It's probably better than those early WWF rings you came up on, anyways. At least there was some give to it. The, the so. pole move in, yes, it wasn't cement. <laughs> that was that was young kid Dynamo. I love that. So there are so many Omega ties to this, which if you haven't checked out our Omega episode in our archives, please do. It's episode five. And it's one of my favorites that we did because it was a true love letter to independent wrestling. And that's where this whole thing starts. You're doing matches in October of 92 with a local promoter named Kenneth Morgan. He had a 20 by 20 ring, but it was only 20 by 20 because there was also a literal trampoline in the middle of said ring and it was half constructed ring half trampoline what do you remember about that well he approached us initially because he heard that we were doing all the trampoline stuff and, and something that is so funny and i'm sure it will probably make people question him but like he just did it because he loved wrestling so much so trevor's dad tracy cadell was six years older than me five six years older than me and as soon as i turned 16 years old on day one Whenever I was 16 and I had my license, I uh, got in my dad's old old car and drove it over to the gym and invested in the and said, dude, I've got to work out. I've got to eat. I was eating just like nonstop beans. I was eating beans, 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 beans. They were, she was thinking I could because I, I could afford because I wanted to like gain size. I was like, dude, like wrestlers are 235, 240, 245. I have to gain weight. I have to gain weight. I have to gain weight. And then I went to the gym to start working out right from day one. And that is where I initially met. Tracy Goodell, he was working out in the gym. And ultimately, I ended up meeting Marty Garner, first name Sham, last, last name Payne. Well. And uh, Tracy said, hey, I heard you guys have a wrestling ring, like on a trampoline in your backyard. You know, I've been a big wrestling fan for a long time. And Matt, do you remember whenever you went to school in Cameron, like 
when you were young, I would like, you know, I'd take up for you if other kids were picking on you or whatever. And he was a lot older than me and he lived on the same road, obviously. So we we're on the same school bus. And I, I, I don't necessarily remember getting picked on, <laughs> dead, but I, I do remember him always having my back and he, yeah. he would always like be cool. Like I was the young kid that lived, you know, uh, three quarters of a mile down the road from him. So he, he always was good. He said, Hey, so I'd like to come over and check all that out at some point. So that's how Tracy first got introduced to myself and Jeff after I met him at the gym, right after I turned 16, then he came over and he was, uh, you know, just having these little amateur matches with us on the, uh, you know, the trampoline ring of the TWF. So then we had a little crew where it ended up being like, you know, myself, it was Jeff, it was Shannon, it was Tracy, uh, Marty came a couple times. And then we had some other guys that were just like our, our local friends that never did anything past that. But, but that's where we first met these guys. And then Kenneth Morgan, ran into Tracy on his shoot job, which he drove a, a Coke truck and he would like go to different vending machines all around Moore County, which is the county we live in and even out of Moore County. But that was his like shoot job that he would do during the day. So he would go and deliver all these sodas and like fill up the drink machines. That was his deal. He was on a route and he met Kenneth Morgan on one of these. Hey, he said, someone has told me about you guys. You're doing all these crazy wrestling and you're even putting out, you know, these VHS tapes of, of your bouts and video stores locally, which that's something I did as a businessman. I like would take two VCRs and I would cut these matches together and I'd make it like a pay-per-view. Big and, money uh, mat. Big money mat. Yeah, anything for a buck. And then I, I I literally would go to video stores. It's like, hey, could I like give this to you? Could you put it in your store to rent out? We're like local wrestlers and we have aspirations of doing this and, you know, whatever. You know, that that that's my gig. That's always been my gig. Jeff, he's the rock star, super talented one, but I'm the architect of everything else. And then uh, he asked Tracy, he said, hey, I actually have a ring I built and it's 20 by 20 and it has like a real ring on each side. But in the middle, there's a trampoline. So you can do all these really crazy high risk maneuvers. You can run and springboard and jump out of the ring. And I've got a booking at the, at the Moore County Fair. And if you guys would be willing to come and, and work for me there, he said, I'll pay you. I'll pay you. And then as soon as Tracy hit us up and told us he'd learned this info, we're like, hell yeah, of course we're in. You know, so that's the mark of our very first match where we got paid. The guy got paid 300 bucks overall for the whole event. So I think we all got like 25 bucks that night. You know, we had we had a show of about seven or eight different people and we we all wrestled two or three times each with hoods on or whatever and different gimmicks. Uh, the first appearance of Will of the Wisp probably happened on that night. Uh, if, it, if it didn't, it happened very shortly thereafter. But that was uh, that was the, the first time that we really caught the bug because there were about three or four hundred people standing outside the ring. And I was the hill and just to get booed and for Jeff to get cheered. Uh, it was dude. We, we were hooked right from that moment. We were hooked. So you knew Tracy through the grapevine prior to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. we, we went to we went to school together. Right. We, uh, we were on the same bus and, you know, he he his parents knew my parents. Okay. You know, and, Did you uh, know he was a wrestling fan? I I, I didn't. I didn't okay. until you know he approached me at, at the gym, and that's how we first hit it off. And dude, he he loved wrestling. I mean, he was passionate about wrestling, like I'm passionate about wrestling. So that that is uh that that really bonded us. And he was just a good quality dude. He's one of those guys that I would say, like, even if you went deeper into the business, he was probably too nice for his own good. Because there are some guys like that in pro wrestling. Do you remember who any of his influences were, who he aspired to be Lex like? Luger. Lex Luger. His biggest. Lex. Lex Luger, without a doubt. I mean, that's even when he did it, like, you know, his his name was TC Flexer. He wanted to be like a, a muscle guy, a body guy. He would love to do the rag. He, he would he would mimic a lot of Luger stuff. So and I, I, I want to give a shout out to Lex Luger, too. Sure. So I've got to know Lex Luger a little bit, too. And, 
it's always great whenever I see him. You know, he's just he, he's like a, a reborn man. And I see him at cons and stuff recently. And he'll be on Twitter and he says, man, I love the stuff you post, how it's such a good combination between like, you know, work and, and real life stuff and whatnot. You'll do character stuff, but then you'll do stuff with your kids and your family and uh, such a sweetheart. But w one thing I've, I've never told him this before, and I admit to it at some point, like I, I'm a big like when I would do, especially early in promos, and I still do it now. I'm a big hand talker when I, this and that and that and that and blah and blah, blah. I got that from Lex Luger, without a doubt, because I did. I, I love his promos at many, many, many points in his career. And, you know, he wasn't known as like the best promo guy ever, but just the, the way he spoke and his mannerisms and his conviction on things, I, I really dug. And I feel like whenever I would do promos as high voltage back in the day on the trampoline, uh, I was a very much a hand user just because of Lex Luger. And he would do it too, where he'd make his points and be moving his hands as he's doing it. And I loved it. I met Lex for the first time at StarCast and he could not have been nicer. Could not have been nicer. He's, he's, he's such a sweetheart now. He, he has come such a long way personally. And I know he's had to overcome a lot of health issues. And I'm glad to see that he's still out there doing stuff in the public forum because he has a lot to offer people. So that's, that's a cool little anecdote you shared there. So Tracy is a big Lex Luger guy. You guys are having these matches in this 20 by 20 half trampoline, half rig ring. Right. And then in 1993, the East coast wrestling federation is born. Yeah. And your partner just... is Tracy Cadell. Yes, it is. I was just going to say, there were also other shows that Kenneth Morgan did. I don't know if you could look them up or they were listed. We also rented out the Armory about a month after that fair show and did a show there, which was, uh, you know, once again, I, I think we still ran as, uh, no, we we became ECWF, but I think we still ran it as TWF, but we really didn't even say what it stood for. We ran the Armory about a month later, and that was just unbelievable you know it was just such a such a, a hard job putting that ring together there and moving it you know whenever it was at the fair it was just you know at the fair and it had been set up days before so we had to like get in the building that morning and then get out that night so i remember it just was so time consuming trying to put that ring together because it was so intricate and then we did a show outside in a kmart parking lot at one point and we mm. also did one outside of a parking lot at piggly wiggly so we we had a, a few of those uh twf shows with kenneth morgan but kenneth realized pretty quick after like four shows that he wasn't going to be making a million dollars running the TWF. So he decided like, Oh, maybe this isn't for me, whatever. And also during that time I had uh, done a couple matches with stallion as well. So I had started branching out and wrestling in a legitimate hard ring too. And myself and Tracy offered to buy the ring from Kenneth Morgan. Uh, so we like, you know, I, I had, I was hauling pound straw at that time. That, that was my, my main gig. And I worked at a car wash right when I first had my license too. So I like doubled up on doubled up, tripled up on both of those. And we uh, gave him, I want to say, 800 bucks for the ring. And then we took it and we converted it over to a legitimate hard ring. And then we were going to run our own shows as ECWF, the East Coast Wrestling Federation. And myself and Tracy Goodell, we were ready to take over the world. Where are you even storing a ring like that? Uh, we stored it at Tracy's place. Okay. Outside. <laughs> so it got rained on all the time, <laughs> which, was, which, was, uh, which was crazy. Not great for the infrastructure of the rings. Yeah. So. No, no. So why was Tracy the guy? Why did you trust Tracy? Uh, once again, I had I had known him since I was young, and I'd been around him a lot. And then, like once I got to know him a, a lot better, he seemed he was a very decent guy and like a good human being, and and you could just detect that vibe from him. And 
he, he was a guy – I was in school then, obviously, and he was a guy that could still go out. And, like, he, he worked a regular job, but he had different days where he could go out and he could do stuff that we need to do. Like, if he was going to go and uh, go to businesses and try and get sponsorships or do this or do whatever. And there was a point, like, when I had first started wrestling during that time, I went out to, to UNC Charlotte for my first year. You know, so I was doing a gig where I'd go out and I'd go to college all week long, and then I would come home for the weekend and we would, you know, do our, our wrestling madness. You know, I, I was going to college and then still taking on my wrestling hobby, which seems so crazy. But like as many weekends as I came home and avoided partying and doing crazy stuff in college, I mean, I really wanted to make it as a pro wrestler. So that was like my drive then. Yeah. You and Clay Aiken attending school, uh, according to RJ City. So right, right. it's the first time I'd ever heard that. So that was the more, you know, with RJ City. Uh, so you're doing that work in the part time gig and wrestling and going to school. A lot of moving pieces here in hopes of fulfilling your dream. Right. In 1993, though, Tracy's dream comes to an end. He's involved in a car accident, and that unfortunately ends the physical side of his prospective pro wrestling career. What do you remember about that night? What happened? And how much of a blow was that for you guys? It, it did for a while. He did wrestle after that, John. He did? He, okay. He, he did. He did. He was all for... Uh, probably a year. Wow. Uh, he he was a guy who worked so hard in the things he was doing. And uh, I, I'll, to the best of my recall, which I, I feel like I'm pretty good with this, we were getting ready for this big show we we're going to have, the first ECWF show. And I remember he was like up super late at night doing stuff and he was designing tickets. And we we're I, I had worked on the program a little bit too, and he was getting this stuff printed up. He was doing things. And then he literally was going to work the next day and he fell asleep at the wheel and he ran underneath the back of a transfer truck. And I remember he had to have multiple surgeries. He lost his gallbladder. Uh, he was in the hospital for many days after that. It was a, oh, wow. a very, very serious crash. And he was lucky to have lived. He was cut out with the jaws of life. Wow. When, whenever that happened. So, uh, we ended up postponing that first ever show like uh, for a month later because, because oh, wow. of that whole incident. Had Trevor been born yet? Oh my God. Uh, as far as the timetables go, do you have Trevor's birthday there? Trevor September. Well, so we're doing this episode because this week, yeah, Trevor celebrates here, his. He's, he's 30, correct? It was, it was, well, no, he's, so he's 29. 29 yep. Mm -hmm. um, it was so 93. That, okay. Um, no, he would have been on the way. So that's really difficult. You got a kid on the way. Yeah. yeah. You're in the hospital going through all this stuff. And this is a close friend of yours. And I have to imagine that that hit you guys pretty tough. I, I'll yeah. never, I'll never forget getting the call that getting the call that day that, that it happened to him. And, and I, I feel like in the beginning uh, it was extremely concerning because they just weren't sure. Like if he was going to make it because they just said he was in a terrible accident he was lucky to be alive. And now he's in the hospital. And I, I remember, I remember that call very vividly for sure. Yeah. So he ultimately walks away from it, but the injuries add up. And I guess maybe if he didn't immediately retire, ultimately it does lead to his in-ring retirement. But he, he does stay involved. But in that year, 1993, September 30th, as we celebrate his 29th birthday on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, Trevor Lee Cadell is born in rural backwoods, North Carolina. Uh, actually, he, he was born in uh, in 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 
Was it Southern Pines? I'm trying to even remember. Well, it was either, either in Southern Pines or Sanford, but he was born in a legitimate okay. hospital in, in, in a little bit bigger of a city because okay. there, is, there is no hospital in Cameron. <laughs> well, no, I know not, not in Cameron. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, but, 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 but as you would say, uh, you know, it, it, it is, it is in the middle of the forest, as my wife likes to say over and over, our internet's bad because we're, I'm in the, I live in the middle of the forest, but I, I do remember getting the call that Trevor had been born. And then I actually swung by the hospital the, the day of, and, uh, was able to visit with, with Tracy and see his new baby. And Tracy was just so proud and, and so happy. So you were that close with him where it was, Hey, my, my first, is he his first kid? Yeah. So my first kid is born. His, his first kid and his only kid. His only kid. So my first kid is born. Come by, come meet the baby. That's that's you're, you're we, closer than friends at that point. You know? Oh yeah, we we were we were extremely close at that time. I mean, and, and on top of just being great friends, we were also business partners. You know, to right. a degree, we were just trying to we were trying to make something happen. Did you know little Trevor Lee Cadell would go on to become a big time wrestling superstar right then and there? You take mm-hmm. one look in his eye and just. You knew, I did. You know, as, as the days went on, I, yeah. I I have very strong memories of him when he can first walk, and and he can't even walk that good. You know, like once he's one year old, and the ring was outside of Tracy still, and we still kept it there uh, because, like, I I didn't have the room, and my dad didn't want that shit in our place. You know, so he's like, <laughs> keep that shit over there. And uh, I, I remember when he learned how to walk, he would be in the ring acting like he's running the ropes. I mean, he watched wrestling from the very beginning and he he loved wrestling as he was following you know omega and the things we were doing there you know with ecwf to nfwa you know through omega and uh he he loved it he, he was just always there we would work out every sunday if we got the opportunity to and trevor would always be right by the ring he would be doing stuff i always remember trying to climb up the ropes and just he literally was in the ring since he was a baby since he was born he'd always been around it and it was a huge part of his life early on so I was going to ask, is Trevor there in person for those big Omega shows as you guys get those launched and the Hardy Boys are starting to get some traction in the tape trading community? Uh, yeah, he, he was he was there for a, lo- a lot of those, you know, and I remember a lot, a lot of times he'd be there with his mom. And then like once the show was over, his mom would take him home. And then, you know, myself and Tracy and, and Jeff and Shannon and Marty Garner, we're all, you know, going to, we have to take down the ring and we have to mop up the armory. We have to do this and whatever, because, you know, we want our deposit back, <laughs> you know, our hundred, $150 deposit back, you know, so it would always be a late night for us. And then once we'd finish up, it, it was such a brotherhood though, too. We would, we would usually all go to like a Waffle House or if we were somewhere that had like an IHOP or a 24-hour place, we would all sit, we would eat, and we'd talk about things. And then we would go back to Tracy Goodell's house. And uh, a lot of times Trevor would end up getting up in the middle of the night whenever we get back at 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever. And we would watch back the whole show, which we recorded on a VHS tape. And we would watch it through. And I just remember we would leave Tracy's house at sunrise so many, so many nights. You know, and it just there's a lot of fond memories in that to me, too. You know, like we weren't making any money and it was really hard work and it was challenging. But just the brotherhood that was there was so incredible. Pro wrestling, when you're trying to break into it, is a passion fueled industry. And yes. as we discussed on the Omega episode, that very much was an ode to the love and the passion that goes into wanting to make it in independent wrestling. Yeah. So when you say something like that, it resonates because I can even think back to the first few shows that I was working in this small little 
it was a called city side restaurant. It was a small little banquet hall in Brewer, Maine. And this small group of guys putting on these shows in front of maybe a hundred people. If that in a ring, that was a boxing ring converted to a wrestling ring. And after the shows you would go and you would just talk about how great the show was. And you'd review every single little thing yeah. about the show, go through it. And there is such a brotherhood that is built oh through that. And I would have to imagine if you're around the Cadell family household all the time, you're almost becoming like a quasi uncle for, for Trevor there. If you're always present in his life. Without a doubt. I mean, I, I feel like he had that relationship with, you know, with myself, with Jeff, with Shannon, you know, everyone. Yeah. When do you first remember hearing that he might want to become a pro wrestler? Uh, well, e even, even before we go there, I want to sure. go back to a story. We also, our gig was, as we were trying to make it, we knew we had to keep up with whatever current products there were. And we would always watch pay-per-views at Tracy's house. And we would all chip in. We would all pay and watch the pay-per-view because we had to stay up to date on the current product, right? So th there were so many times, uh, you know, Trevor would be there. He'd be so excited to watch wrestling because now we're watching, like, you know, the, bi the biggest wrestling there is where we all have aspirations to go one day. And Shannon had just bought this motorcycle, right? Shannon had just bought a motorcycle. He was very proud of it. He wanted to take good care of it. And Jeff had had, uh, had, had bought one too. And I want to say this, this might be after we're doing pretty good on the indies and we're starting to make some money and I'm working multiple jobs, but they just got these motorcycles like they're hot shots. And I'll never forget, it was a Sunday where we're watching a pay-per-view at Tracy's and Shannon's bike is out there uh, parked and like leaned up against a tree, I want to say. And he just bought this thing used, but you know, it's, it's virtually new to him, obviously. And Jeff had his bike as well. And they, they always shared a very special bond as well, Jeff and Shannon, especially during the, this, this time and this day and age. And all of a sudden Shannon came out and his bike, it was on the ground and it was like scratched up and messed up a little bit. And he was very frustrated about it. And then like Trevor was over in the ring, like running around. And then I remember Shannon saying like, Trevor, did you knock my bike over? Did you push my bike over? And Trevor's like, no, I, I didn't. No, I didn't. And it reminds me so much of how Wolfie does now. <laughs> Joe Wolfie's lying. He's like, no, I didn't do it. And, and Wolfie has it. Wolfie would put the heat on somebody else. He'd say, no, Barty did it. Barty did it. <laughs> the Barty master of chaos, Wolfgang. Oh, my God. He's the great grandfather of chaos. <laughs> and then uh, Shannon was like, okay, okay. All right, whatever. And then we're in there. We're watching uh, the wrestling match and whatnot. And, like, Trevor would always, like, run to people. And he would, like, Hit someone with a tackle, and the guy would bump down. Oh, like you bump for him. I got you. Okay. Always, and we would all all do that with Trevor yeah. when he was a little kid. And he ran over to Shannon and like gave him a tackle, and Shannon's like, "Oh!" And then Shannon grabbed him, picked him up, and power bombed him on the floor. And Shannon said, "That was for my bike." Because <laughs> 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 like, I remember, I remember he like tackled Shannon. And Shannon like kind of looks around, like, "Where's his dad at?" Oh, he's not here. Boom. <laughs> That was for my bike, Trevor. Got to gotta hit that comeback, man. <laughs> um, oh how old was Trevor around there? Jeez. Uh, four, four or five years five old. Five years old, yeah, I was about to say. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I love that. Too funny. I love that so much. That's but, great. But, but, but during this time, especially like after we made it, and I just got to speak to Trevor in, in great length a while back and actually got clued in on some stuff that I, I really wasn't even aware of. Like he – he said once again, oh, man, and it, it touches me because, like, you know, once again, I've known him for so long. And, like, you know, it's especially when you know someone since they've been a child or a baby, I feel like you even have a, a stronger connection with them in many, many ways. And he just said, like, I just remember after you and Jeff made it and, you know, you guys were from Cameron, you know, and that's, you know, you 
I lived a three quarters of a mile up the street from the Hardy compound. And just like, you guys were my heroes. Like you have these built big houses. Like nobody has houses like you guys in Cameron and you have this, this property. And like, you guys are in all these magazines, you're on the front of these covers and, and like people love you around the world. It's just like, Oh my God. Like if, if they're from the same place I'm from, like if they can do it, I, I think I can do it too. Like they motivate me to, they inspire me to, you know, and he, he shared that with me and, and just even uh, gives me chills. It's, it's you don't even realize while you're actively doing it, how many people you touch and motivate and, and inspire. And it's just so overwhelming once you were able to kind of grasp it all. And it, 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 it makes me so proud of the, of the things we did and the things we accomplished. And like, it was all happening so fast in real time. You really never stop or slow down to think about it because you don't have the time to in reality, because it's always a go, go, go process. But Trevor always wanted to be a wrestler when he was young. And then eventually Tracy and his wife, Angela, Trevor's mom, they, they split up and it was a pretty ugly divorce. And it led to Trevor really almost half-assed disowning his mom for a long time. It re really bad, really ugly. And then uh, they'd split. And then there was a point where Trevor didn't follow wrestling anymore and he kind of fell out of it. And th this is something he told me last night. I didn't even know he fell out of it this much. And then he was just like, well, you know, I'm going to be me. I'm going to do my thing, whatever. And then like once Jeff came back to WWE in 2006, and that run we had in 2007, 2008, 2009, like 2008, 2009, he said he started watching us again because he hadn't watched in, you know, several years. And then he like fell in love with it all again. And then that's when he decided like, I am going to do this. Even though, you know, my, my, my dad, you know, was involved in wrestling and I ended up having a bad experience because my family disintegrated in front of me. And I felt like maybe wrestling was responsible for it. It, it, it wasn't. You know, but then like he fell in love with it all again. And, and and once again, it was because he was following myself and Jeff. And he's like, man, these guys are still doing it again. And they're like still on top and still killing it. And I, I want to do this. I want to do this. And that's when he like made up his mind and decided 100 percent that he was going to be a wrestler. Listen, man, I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to just do me a favor and run on over to SaveWithConrad.com. Get yourself a quick quote. My man, Andy M just left us a five-star review over at ConradReviews.com. And he had this to say the effort and communication from Josh was above and beyond. We ran into several unexpected hiccups along the way, but Josh kept us informed and kept looking for options to get things done. In the end, we were still able to refinance to a 15 year loan, where we're going to be able to pay it off in 10. And we took enough cash out to pay off our credit cards, my truck loan, and even buy my wife, her very first new vehicle. We're going to save over $500 a month from what we would have been paying without the refinance. We can't thank everyone enough. Now guys, that right there is a win, win, win situation. Let me explain over the last couple of years, your house is probably worth more than ever. Now, what you do with that equity is up to you. And what I'm going to recommend is we do what our man, Andy did. Andy took himself from a 30 year loan down to 15 years, but he's planning to pay it off in 10. Now, how can he afford to do that? We got rid of all his credit card debt. Just like that. We got rid of his truck loan and we even got him enough cash to get his wife a new vehicle. The result, cheaper monthly payments. How does that happen? How do you get a new car, pay off a truck and get rid of your credit cards and cut years off your loan? You go to savewithconrad.com. We're going to get you cheaper monthly payments. And how's this for starters? No house payments for the next two months. That's right. You can skip your next two payments. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And buddy, if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. And here's the best part. We don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how. I don't care if you relate here or there. Maybe you had a bankruptcy back in the day. Maybe you were late on a credit card. 
We're going to help you figure out how to get in the situation that your family needs now and long-term. We want to be your mortgage advisor for life at savewithconrad.com. He's around you in a very transformative part of your life and his life. When you're five, six years old, you're incredibly impressionable. And in your case, you guys are in your early 20s. It's a pivotal moment in your life as you're trying to set forth on this path of wrestling superstardom. Uh, Trevor, I'm only nine months older than Trevor, so I'm around that age too. And uh, this is no secret. I've talked about this with you before. Like Seeing guys like you and Jeff, it was immensely impressionable on my pro wrestling fandom because you guys were larger than life doing things that other guys didn't do. So... I resonate with that tremendously that, that, that it strikes that fire and you're like, Oh man, that, that adrenaline rush. That is so cool. I'm doing swantons off my banister for better or worse. But of course I was warned not to try it at home, but nonetheless, John, John, John not to interrupt you, but you wouldn't believe how many kids have told us over the years. I mean, for like the last 10, 15 years, I got in so much trouble because I did swantons and leg drops and I broke, my parents' bed Buddy. or I broke my parents' couch. I've, I've heard that Buddy. thousands of times. I've told you, you were my guy. Kurt Angle was my guy. I cracked my head open doing an Olympic slam on a bed. Like, like I, it was, it was bad, but, but I never tried it at home. Okay. So my point being here that it's an immensely impressionable time in his life. And then he, you said he goes away from it, but he comes back to it in his mid teenage years where he, early teenage years where he's seen you guys, and yeah, I was amped too. 2006, seeing the Hardys reunite, that was a big deal. It was a really big deal. So I think that that all tracks pretty well because around 2009, he makes his debut at 16 years old, which is so wild because so few wrestlers have actually wrestled at 16 years old. Take me through the training process there for him. Is Tracy involved with that? Is there hesitance involved in letting him get involved and actually pursuing it? How involved were you personally in that? No. uh, Tracy was super supportive and he was proud of him. Tracy loved wrestling so much and he Tracy said this to me multiple times. He said, you know, it just wasn't in the cards for me to make it especially after the wreck and just, you know, I physically just wasn't able to, you know, but you guys have. So like if my son can make it, that's all I want in life. Wow. So tr- tr- Tracy was, Tracy was like his agent. I mean, he, he did as much as he could to help Trevor out in many ways. And then there would be times where Jeff and I, we were obviously very busy at that time, but whenever we were around, we would definitely talk with Trevor or give him advice and tips. And one thing I got to say about Trevor right from the jump, he he was like a sponge as far as like, taking in info and he really listened to things like he was so smart fundamentally like we, we didn't have that kind of advice when we were coming up because we were just on our own just kind of figuring it out and making it up as we go so we were obviously you know the spot monkeys we would just do everything you know we would go nuts we were doing you know pwg style uh you know when we were doing early Omega stuff and our own promotion and whatnot, you know, and, and a little too much. And looking back, it'd been nice if there would have been someone there to be a guiding light and kind of just like, hey, slow down, like make mm-hmm. this stuff really mean something when you do it or whatever. But Trevor knew that right from the jump. And since day one, he was working. He's always applied that. And that's something I'm damn proud of when it comes to Trevor. And Cedric Alexander is another guy who's a, who's a great a great example of this. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget, just to go on a tangent for a second, Cedric was trained by George South 
more than anybody else. George South and same, but George South more than anybody else. And I remember like I'd seen Cedric and he worked with Trevor a lot and I knew he did great stuff. This was we'll like, talk about that on this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, but, but it was uh, 2013, 2014 when I was doing some Indies and it was a deal Thomas Simpson had hooked me up with, you know, I'm working with ring of honor or TNA, whoever this time. And, uh, I'm doing this Indie and I'm working Cedric and I'm like, well, you know, I'd kind of like to keep it simple. This, and he's like, Oh yeah, of course, of course. Like I'll grab you and I'll stop you and we'll work a hold and do the and dude. Cedric is so good. Like he gets how to wrestle in Boy, front howdy. of your crowd. And, and Trevor's like that too. You know, Trevor can go out and do a PWG style match and go crazy, but he's also very smart. He knows if he's in a Southern crowd that just wants to be entertained, he knows how to work. So kudos to both those guys for learning that at such a young age. I'm not exaggerating and, I, and I'll hit on it later too when we get to some of the NXT stuff, but I was blown away by how fundamentally sound and smooth Trevor Lee was in those earlier years. And he's being exposed. At such a, yeah. I mean, listen, then he's 29 this week, but he's now a 13 year veteran veteran at 29. That is wild. Absolutely wild. Yeah. But 16 is a young age to break into things. Your brother knows that firsthand. That's around when he was getting his stuff going. And on June 19th, 2009, he makes his official debut to uh, – he makes it with the Carolina Wrestling Federation. He loses to Chase Dakota at CWF Mid-Atlantic. Do you have any recollections of that territory? They ran from 2000 to 2019. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was buddies with the guys who, who ran that, and I – if we were ever home and we could like catch a show, I remember catching some shows. And like later on, we actually did uh, one of the uh, Broken Hardy's Expedition of Golds at CWF, actually. And that was one of the things that we really requested to do and like put on TV, which was really cool. So I, I knew those guys, uh, Jeff Rudd, one of the guys who was the, the brains behind that. He came up with uh, Shane Helms and Mike Howe at the same time. He was like one of their boys. Those three and Chuck Coates, they were like, that was their traveling group in the early days, you know, and they, worked quite a bit. And then our traveling group was, you know, myself, Jeff, Jason, Arndt, uh, Champagne and Shannon. And then we connected and, and hooked up. And that's when they really helped Omega grow quite a bit. I bring them up because I've seen a lot of independent wrestlers in their early years. They get very comfortable with just one promotion to start. That becomes their home promotion. They get their bearings underneath them and then that's when they start to kind of expand their spheres of influence and that's really more or less what trevor is doing here he spends the first six months of his career working there uh his first match outside of there is in february of the following year with premier wrestling experience but those transformative early months for wrestlers wrestlers career would you recommend them getting comfortable in one place before they try to find other promotions to work for? Give some young up and coming indie talent some advice here. Would you advise that? Would you say go out to as many different places as possible? What does Matt Hardy say? Uh, I mean, I, I say work as many places as possible. Okay, And, and that, that's one of the first thing I tell young talents. And I, I think it is great to kind of like designate uh, promotion as your home base. And that's the main place you're going to work for. And you're going to give them priority on bookings. But I think it is paramount to get out and work for as many different people as possible. And that way you, it helps educate you and you help learn uh, different nuances of the business because there's going to be promoters that want things done differently. You're going to have different workers. There's going to be a different style. And, and the more you can kind of have the sprawling range and the the, the, the the sprawling ability to work for different people and work under different circumstances, it helps you become a better pro wrestler. Did you get a chance to see any of his early matches in person? 
Uh, I, I do. I, I remember seeing a few of them. I remember catching some on tape. Uh, Tracy was so proud. Tracy would try and like, he'd pin me down and, and put in Trevor's match. So I'd watch it. And I, I would be happy to as well, you know, but like that was it. Tracy was, uh, especially once he started getting, uh, you know, getting out more from that one promotion, his home promotion. I know Tracy was working really hard to try and book him and, and, you know, help, help him expand as much as, as he could early in his career. Sometimes when you have a parent pushing you, you can grow to resent them. Think of all the sports parents out there that just push their kids, push their kids, push their kids to the point where playing the sport doesn't become fun for them anymore. How did they navigate that? Because evidently they had a great relationship yeah. and there was mutual respect. Yeah. Uh, their, their, rela their relationship was very different. And, and Tracy didn't push him in a way like, you're doing this for me. I feel like Tracy pushed him in a way like, I'm going to help you son as much as I can to achieve the dream we have for you. And, and they were like all they had, you know, his mother was out of his life at that point and it was just Tracy and Trevor and, and they, they, they shared an incredible bond. And, and I got to say the way he loved his child and the way he went so hard for his child was very motivational to me later when I would have children. And it was, it was a great example of how to be a parent and be extremely supportive and, and try and give them everything you can. And Tracy did. Tracy literally tried to, to give Trevor everything he possibly could. I mean this in the best way possible. I don't mean this at all in like a backstabbing, living vicariously through your kid way. But being able to see his son start to climb the ladder a little bit, get some traction under him in the wrestling world. Do you think that that was fulfilling for him since he didn't get a chance to do a that? Absolutely. 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 And, uh, and, and I hate that because Tracy loved it so much. He's someone who deserved an opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it was taken away from him very early on. And, you know, that's, that's extremely unfortunate, but the fact that he got to see his kid be as successful as he did. And right before his dad passed, Trevor was able to tell his dad, like, uh, you know, I've been talking, I, I think this NXT thing is going to work out, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they, they were, they were talking about things and, and, and I'm sure his that nothing made his dad more proud. Yeah. And I, I guarantee you, wherever his dad's soul is right now, it is as happy as it can be to see his son as successful as he is. Yeah. Well, the career trajectory keeps climbing up here. I, I was going through his cage match, and I found a match from CWF in December of 2010. Uh, Talk about talent, man. In that area, that North Carolina region has got some incredible talent that comes up through it. This one match. Hangman Adam Page and Caleb Conley defeat Cedric Alexander and Trevor Lee. Yeah. Not too shabby, right? That's 2010. They're all in the very wee, wee, wee days of their career. But you're on your way out of WWE at this juncture. Mm -hmm. What was the level of talent in that territory like? And was that something you were looking forward to working with as you were going to be potentially hitting the indie scene here? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I knew these young guys. I had been... I remember coming off whenever I started wrestling again, after I took some time off to get myself right, I remember doing some ring of honor stuff and then like following up on some of the talent that was, uh, you know, around Trevor was doing good. Uh, Adam page once again was someone that people, a lot of people were talking about Shane, Shane Helms. I got to give a, a shout out to my old ancient friend, Shane Helms. He's always had his finger on the pulse of talent. He always knew that Adam page was special. He, he was at the time too, he was very much uh, 
assisting Trevor and things too, giving him advice, talking to him. And, and he was very much keeping up with stuff uh, like CWF stuff. So he, he had told me like how great Adam Page was. and He told me how good Trevor was. And like that Omega, when it was relaunched later on, that was Shane Helms who was doing the booking for it. You know, so he, he was very much on top of the indie scene. So I, I was very aware there were a lot of guys that had a ton of potential coming up. Did it cross your mind you might get to work with Trevor at some point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I, I know I would. I almost felt like it was a guarantee. And and I thought that was going to be super cool. I, I always dig stuff like that when you meet someone when they're a kid and then you get to wrestle wrestle them when they're all grown up. You know, it just I say this all the time. When I think about the Ass Boys, uh, I, yeah. I, I think about them being with Billy Gunn as – Little kids, you know, even like not even Maxwell and Wolfie's age, Wolfie and Barty's age, you know, uh, backstage at house shows in Florida. And then I think about Devon's kids as small little kids and they're big monsters now, you know. So the, they kind of get frozen in your mind like that. And I feel like Maxwell and, and Wolfie and Barty are going to be frozen in a lot of people's minds once they're uh, all grown up and, and kicking ass. That's so cool. October 12th, 2013. Trevor makes his Omega debut. This is the relaunched Omega. It's a win against Chip Day. What did it mean for him to be involved with Omega, considering there's so much of that in his blood, his wrestling lineage? He was there for those early shows, as you said. How special do you think that was for him to be involved with the organization? Oh, I mean, I'm sure it was huge for him, you know, because he grew up watching this, and this is something that, you know, his father created. You know, me and me and Tracy Goodell, we were the the backbone behind Omega when it was all said and done. You know, later on we had Thomas Simpson, T Dog Thomas Simpson. What's going on, buddy? Uh, we had T Dog come in, and he obviously, when we were young, broke kids, he was able to give us money, and we were able to buy like a new, very good, legitimate ring, and he bought us guardrails, and he he was able to invest in us because he had a job and he was very financially secure then. You know, so the the dream began though with just me and Tracy Goodell in the very beginning, and and that's something that can't be spoken about enough you know right. without without myself and tracy my life looks very very different and, and and a lot of people's life looks very very different so uh i i know it was a huge deal to trevor when he was growing up because he was part of that brotherhood and he would always try and get up in the middle of the night and come watch the show back or whatever you know so yeah it was definitely special to him and i know myself and shane you know in our conversations we were just excited to have him in omega because he was now the first ever second generation Omega guy. So he's around four years into his career already at this point. He's 20 years old and he's starting to brand chip. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> he, I, I just, so I, let me, let me preface. I had the uh, COVID booster yesterday and I was like feeling great uh -oh. yesterday. I'm feeling great. And the other boosters and the shots I got never really affected me. I was just a little tired this morning. I woke up and I was shivering and I've got a concert to go to tonight in the city. And I was like, Oh no. So I'm, I'm getting all those uh, electrolytes in right now, Matt Hardy. We're going to, we're going to power through this. I'm ready hey, to go here. Buddy, buddy, you better take your AG one too. Oh yes. <laughs> I, we don't have an AG one read this week, but I will, no, but I will. I'm going to plug them anyway. <laughs> I will be taking my AG ones and uh, I'm going to be go seeing uh, the gaslight anthem, which I got to send you gaslight. They are a band that I have no doubt you're going to love. I'm going to send them to you. Okay. They're like Pearl jam meets Springsteen meets a couple other, those like early nineties. It's good shit. I'm going to send them your way. You're going to enjoy it. So, uh, but anyway, so he's starting to work for some other people. He, he actually gets a dark match for ring of honor. Uh, this is around when you're in Ring of Honor. Did you have anything to do with that in helping put a good word in for him? Um, I, I, I didn't. I didn't do that. Uh, but I, I do remember that him and Andrew Everett, they mm -hmm. they reminded me so much of uh, high-voltage 
slash Surge and Will the Wisp. They were like running and gunning together. Yeah. They, would either, they would either be booked as a tag team like the Hardy Boys, or they would work against one another, you know, as Surge versus Will the Wisp. And and I, th- I thought that was so cool. It was like a cool parallel. But I do remember they were starting to be on a lot of people's radars because much like myself and, and Jeff did coming up, you know, people started talking about us. And now we're also in an age where the Internet is out and exists and, and they're, you know, building a lot of momentum for themselves because people are talking about these guys like, wow, they're doing some stuff we haven't seen before. And these guys are these guys are unique. Yeah, And it's clear, too, that he is becoming someone that is not just a decent wrestler. This guy can go. You're not getting those looks coincidentally. And he ends up making his way over to Pro Wrestling Gorilla in March of 2014. Mm-hmm. And it's a triple threat match against Andrew Everett and Cedric Alexander. Again, how kismet is that? And it's a Mystery Vortex show. Are you familiar with the Mystery Vortex concept? I am. So for those who aren't, it's basically the fans go to the show and they don't know what matches they're going to see. You know you're going to get great matches. But you don't know who's going to be facing who. Some talent are advertised. Some talent aren't advertised. And it's this really cool atmosphere. What do you think of him getting a chance to work with PWG? And what do you think about the Mystery Vortex concept from a promoter standpoint? Uh, I think PWG had built such a low following, they could get away with it. I don't think Mm -hmm. every promotion could. But PWG had built a very loyal following, and they knew – the person who was booking it, they were all very smart and they knew they were going to get a fantastic show. So, so, so they were safe. You know, they, they just trusted the, the booking and the promotion so much. Um, some other promotions that would do that uh, might not work as well, but you know, PWG, they had a lot of equity in their fans at that time and they, they were all on the same page. And once again, that, that's kind of, you know, PWG was like a go, 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 go promotion you know, which a lot of wrestling has turned to that currently in 2022, you know, go, mm-hmm. go, 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 nonstop action. Um, and that's what we were really doing with Omega back, you know, as far as 93, you know, that was kind of our mentality. We weren't worried about building a show and having the first match stay in the ring and no punches thrown in the first match. I said, dude, if you guys can go out and steal the show, go out and steal the fucking show. You know, that was our mentality. And PWG, they really built something special. And it's cool because it, it's amazing how it was such a breeding ground it's so many top current superstars today. Yeah, let's put into perspective some of the people he gets to work with during this time. Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, Johnny Gargano, Cedric Alexander, Andrew Everett, Michael Elgin. These are some of the top names in all the indies at this time. He gets to work the Battle of Los Angeles, which is maybe the biggest independent wrestling tournament in the world. Mm-hmm. And he's starting to build a name for himself at this point. What do you remember his stature being like after he starts getting involved with PWG and he's kind of breaking onto the scene here a little bit. Were you guys taking notice to that? Uh, no, I, I remember when he told me he was uh, booked for PWG in the very beginning. And I was like, dude, congratulations. You know, what, what, it, what a huge deal because it was, you had to be a special talent to be booked for those events, you know, and, and it had a lot of buzz online. I, I remember back in the day, I was so angry that Omega didn't get the press, I felt like it deserved. Because we were in the South, and just things worked differently. Because the wrestling magazines only covered the people that were in Philly or in New York or New Jersey. They, they would always re- be really selective and kind of limited to those areas. So we didn't get the press. You know, We would mm-hmm. have people buzzing about us because of tape trading and whatnot. But now you have PWG where these guys you know, start this insane business of selling 
DVDs and, and just it, there's so much buzz around it. But you have to be a certain select talent to be able to go do it. You can't just bring George South to do PWG or you can't bring, you know, Gary Sabah, the Italian stallion or, you know, one, one of the one of their, you know, weekend warriors. You know, you, you have to be a special talent that can go and be unique and really work a very specific high work rate, high spot type style. So just the fact that Trevor was at such a young age uh, invited to come to PWG and work, I thought was a, a great blessing. On May 2nd, 2015, it's a triple threat match for the vacant Omega World Championship. And Trevor Lee defeats you and C.W. Anderson to win the Omega World title. Yep. A really, really cool if you've been following this story from 1997 on and know the characters involved, yeah. this is a really cool moment here. What did yeah. it mean for him to win that world title and how special was that for you that night? Uh, I mean, it, it was special for everyone all the way around. I, I remember when we talked about that and uh, Shane and I were on the exact same page, you know, because Shane was, Shane was booking all the Omega stuff then, you know, I was just uh, more or less a performer and then I'd come to, show you know day of show and then i would put my two cents in on everything else but like uh from from the very beginning we always said like you know we should do this with trevor and it's cool too because you never know where at that point i was guessing if shane ends up promoting omega as a regular deal and it tries to grow it's going to be great for trevor's equity because now he's the first ever second generation yeah. omega star and now he's you know been the world heavyweight champion so it, it was almost i feel like in size it's not like we have some massive company and, and doing TV, but it was just like to kind of give Trevor credibility, even in the Omega ranks, much like when myself and Jeff, we defeated the Acolytes for the World Tag Team titles. Uh, it, it was us being the, the champions helped us because that title was like elevating us. And even the mindset behind putting the title on Trevor was because the Omega Heavyweight title was going to elevate Trevor in our area. You know, so even just to hold it for a little bit was such a great rub for him. The first time Jeff and I won the yeah. tag team titles, the titles elevated us. The mm -hmm. second time we won the titles, we elevated the titles. That's Certainly. the difference between those two things. And you can hear about that in our archives last week with our Unforgiven 2000 episode. It's an episode you do not want to miss. It's a really good episode. I liked it quite a bit. I, I thought we got into a lot of good wrestling psychology talk in that episode. So go check that out if that's something you're interested in. Uh, but because, Matt Hardy, you're a no-good piece of shit, carny son-of-a-bitch asshole, in November 2015, you defeat he and EC3 in a three-way for the Omega Championship. You just can't let those uh, up-and-comers get over in your territory, huh? Did Did you actually quote that from memory, or did you read it? Uh, that was from memory. Okay, wow. That's, was it right? I think it's close to right. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's... Still one of my, fa <laughs> still one of my favorite things. So oh, good. The straight-laced nature in which Hangman Page said that to the camera is... An all-time AEW moment as far as one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I need to post that every so often. <laughs> people's memories is so fucking great. It's gold. Get that um, to the the trolls in your in your mentions. Just quote tweet them with that video. That's it. You're all good. Uh, but yeah, you can't let the little guys uh, get over in the territory, huh, man? Yeah, uh, it wasn't my idea. I was just doing what I was told, brother. Shane oh, okay. was the booker. <laughs> um, but it, it was it was one of those things too, like uh, it. Shane was running quite a few shows then, and we'd had some super successful shows. He had great houses, and he was doing a good job. And as I've said many times, it's no secret. My uh, my my old friend Shane Helms has a brilliant mind for pro wrestling, and he was doing a great job with these shows. And he really had his finger on the pulse of like the the current up and coming talent, you know, that was on the scene. So uh, 
we ended up putting the title back on me once again, just for like name credibility. So that whenever you could run shows, you could say like, you know, Matt Hardy's the champion or, you know, Jeff Hardy's the champion or whatever. And that was kind of the mindset behind doing that. But it also gave Trevor that just that rub. Now he was a former world heavyweight champion and just put equity in him. It's a money grabbing carny son of a bitch piece of shit asshole for the record. Oh, there we go. Okay. You were very close. Very close. Money grabbing carny son of a bitch piece of shit asshole. (laughs) So I'm just racking up those YouTube strikes for uh, cleanliness for us to monetize this video right now. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, around that time, he begins working in TNA. And you're right there reuniting with Jeff at the same time. He and Brian Myers even win the TNA World Tag Team Championship. They defeat the Wolves in September of 2015. Did you play any role in bringing him in there? That that was during the uh, Jeff Jarrett invasion, right? Yes, the GFW stuff, the Global Force stuff. Yep. Yeah. no, I mean, they, they had that deal. We, we knew it was happening, and uh, I thought it was cool. It was very cool to to be there working with Trevor on the same roster, you know, but that, that wasn't something we were responsible for. Gotcha. TNA, uh, or, sorry, TNA was uh, bringing those guys in. They'd worked out that deal with Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett was bringing his, his main guys. Well, that's got to be pretty special for you, though. You're working TV yeah. with this literal kid. I mean, he was a kid that you knew, and now yeah. you and Jeff are there with him, and he actually becomes a staple of the X Division. Mm-hmm. January 30th, 2016, he wins the X Division Championship from Tigre Uno at lockdown, at lockdown. And he does it with the help of his new manager, of all people, Shane Helms. There you have it. Shane Helms with a damn green jacket on all the time. Yes. Helms Dynasty. Uh, let's, let's break that down real quick here. Shane working with Trevor, a guy that he's known since he was a little kid. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of that pairing? Uh, I thought it was great. I mean, and whenever you put Shane with those guys, I mean – it's very reminiscent. Shane Helms with Andrew Everett and Trevor Lee is very reminiscent of Matt Hardy with Private Party. Very reminiscent because you have two guys that are up and coming young flyers uh, that, that that have a ton of ability and skill, and uh, and now you're putting them with a, a very seasoned wrestling mind who can really help them with the fundamentals and help them with storytelling and help them with pacing and whatnot. And I feel like that's the benefit I've given Private Party, and that is definitely the benefit that Shane helped to give those guys at that time. The X Division has a long and storied history. AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, these amazing talents that have come through there. And Trevor Lee has a pretty damn good run as X Division champion. Yeah. Quite a feather in his cap, isn't it? Uh, indeed, man. It Indeed. And uh, I, I remember being very, very proud of him when he was doing that. And it was so great to see him being spotlighted as such. And once again, his uh, his dad was, you know, happy to the moon during this time as well yeah well as you said andrew everett joins them in april they form the helms dynasty and we would see them appear in tag team apocalypto which we watched with dan housen apocalypto 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 that's that we did for that yes that when broken matt wakes up from the dream and sees it in a dream one of my favorites That was a fever dream in and of itself, that whole match. And that episode is really worth checking out in our archives. That is the Danhausen episode. Yeah. So we had a blast watching that back. And Danhausen popped big for the reunion of three count with Shane Helms and Andrew Everett and Trevor Lee. So this is a chance now for Trevor Lee to pay it forward to the old grizzled veteran that is Shane Helms. Give him a moment. Uh, who came up with that spot and what did you think of the execution of it? 
I mean, we, we knew right from the jump we wanted train uh, we wanted chain to have a couple of uh, reincarnations from the lake. And uh, it was uh, rather chilly when we were doing that. Shane's like, man, you don't expect me to go in that fucking water, do you? <laughs> I mean, you you, you got to be kidding me. You don't expect me to go in that water. What's up with that? <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> and I was like, well, Jeff and I would, man, but we're hardcore. <laughs> um, it, it, it was great, though. You know, the fact that we knew we were going to be able to get a couple. Three count is something I'd always wanted to do with the Lake of Reincarnation, especially once it got established and over. And I was just I was licking my lips and I was like, you know, <laughs> we, we got to get these circles made. And it's just going to work, man. It's going to be great. But just the fact that we got to, you know, have him be Shane Helms in that damn dastardly green jacket, a member of three count and the hurricane on that night was, was a lot of fun. And that's just something that we were both in agreement that it would be super good and super entertaining. Myself and Shane were in agreement. And quite a burial even happens there too. Oh yeah. Even the uh, man with three H would be proud. <laughs> yes. The man with three H's would be proud of the way we buried this young upcoming talent. And what's so funny is that the man with three H's uh, is very fond of yes, he is. Uh, Cameron Grimes' talent, which is yes, amazing. He is. So January 7th, 2017, this is a cool little nugget here. It's a Joker's wild first round matchup in Impact. And for the first time ever, and to this day, the only time ever, you team up with Trevor Lee in a losing effort to Moose and Davey Richards. How cool was that to team with Trevor after all these years, man? Uh, it, it, it was, it was cool. It was fun. I, I want to say we did that taping on a day where I'd already wrestled a match maybe. And mm. I remember I was just like, Ugh, I'm like dragging and tired, whatever. I feel like we did, uh, we did like moose, delete, moose, delete, moose, delete. If I'm not mistaken, I, that's my fondest memory from that match. But, uh, I, I remember wishing we would have had a little more time or I would have actually had a little more energy because I, I was kind of dragging. I want to say that was my second or maybe third appearance of the day, whatever, because we were doing one of those big mass tapings. But I, I did think it was very cool to actually say that we've been on a, the same side. We've been a team together now. So in 2018, as Trevor is really starting to pick up some steam, as you said, he's kind of knocking on the door of NXT. There have been some inquiries made. We lose Tracy. Uh, Tracy passes in the summer of 2018. It's in July. Trevor is just 25 years old here. Uh, if you can and feel comfortable taking me kind of through the timeline here of when maybe you found out that something was not right and uh, how did they kind of come together in those final days there? As you just said, Trevor had an opportunity to kind of give him the Iggy that something might be going down with WWE. Yeah. Um, I, I remember it was very shocking whenever I heard it. I feel like I, the first, I, I got a call from Marty Garner. I feel like he was the first one that, that told me Marty had buzzed me on it. But, uh, I remember hearing from, you know, Trevor and, uh, Tracy's new wife at that time, uh, that he'd had for a little bit. So she's, he said, I'm going to go to bed. I, I feel like I have a bad case of heartburn. I'm going to go to bed. But then he ended up having, uh, you know, heart condition. And ended up passing away in sleep, which uh, was was very sad. Just way way too young to have passed. And uh, I mean, obviously, it's on Trevor still at, at twenty five. It's like it's still a young age for your father to be taken from you. Um, but I'm just proud and happy that they got to experience as much time together as they did, and they had a lot of great memories. And he he was Trevor was the apple of Tracy's eye, man. And uh, I, I, Tracy loved, loved pro wrestling so much. And the fact that he 
wasn't able to make it because of unforeseen circumstances, but his son did made him proud and he, he couldn't have been prouder. I mean, that, that in many ways, like fulfilled his life, just knowing his, his son had made it, was making it and was about to make it on the biggest stage of them all. So it, it was very sad to have lost Tracy, just a, a, a very nice, kind human being. And, uh, I have so many great memories with them. And like I said, once again, if I don't meet Tracy Goodell and we don't start planning to take over the world with a, a small wrestling promotion, my, my future definitely looks different. Yeah. Much like that Marvel comic series, like what if, what if right? back in the day, like what if Matt Hardy and Tracy Goodell never meet? Yeah. Do Am I sitting here doing this podcast right now? Who knows? How did that hit all of the Omega guys, Tracy's passing? Yeah, everybody was extremely sad. Makes me think about the, the pictures, too. I have these pictures that we all took. It was like a reunion. It's the first time we'd all been together. Like the the biggest core group, especially the people that were from the North Carolina area, that we were all there at Tracy's funeral. You know, and it's you hate seeing those people under those circumstances. You know, but obviously it was – you know, everybody was really sad, but, you know, we just went to say goodbye to our, to our friend, Tracy. You lost your mother at a young age, not quite as young as Trevor did when he lost his father, but, or rather Trevor was not quite as young as you were when you lost your mother. But right. um, do you remember talking to Trevor in the days, months after that and helping kind of push him along and as he continued his journey? I, I do. I, I remember really reaching out and say, dude, if there's anything I can do to help you, please call me. Don't hesitate to. Yeah. If there's anything I can do. I mean, because as you said, too, there, there's, you know, it, it's so funny where we haven't been in the same company, really the same sphere of the area for so, so long, you know, but like he is. I'm almost like, uh, you know, I'm like an uncle to Trevor Lee in many, many ways to Cameron Grimes. It's still so hard to call him Cameron Grimes. Uh, I do like his name though that he named it after uh, our city. He, you know, they they make you change your name so they can own it, and it's cool that he got a Cameron reference in there. But like, uh, yeah, still to to, I mean, to my dying day, I mean, if Trevor would hit me up and I could do anything to help him out, I certainly would because I, I feel a connection with him, like an uncle or family member, because I've been there since he, you know, since his day one. And he was really starting to put the pieces together here. Yeah. He's really right around this time, even as his father passes, he's knocking on the door of doing something pretty special. And he does end up getting signed to NXT. As you said, he goes under the name Cameron Grimes and he goes to the finals of the first NXT breakout tournament and he loses to ACH. But I even remember that summer, everyone's talking about, hey, this guy, he showed something in this tournament and you're yeah. still in WWE at the time. You're not in NXT obviously, but do you remember having any eyes on him as he was starting to make a little bit of a presence there? Uh, I, I remember congratulating him. Uh, I, I remember sending tweets out every so often to like try and promote him or, you know, acknowledge him. I don't like the way you acknowledge Roman Reigns, but you know, of course, not. Nobody, nobody has that. <laughs> a different acknowledgement, you know, acknowledge him and that he he's an up and comer. Uh, but but I had all the competitors in the world; he was going to kill it and do great. So uh, 
it's it's cool man it's cool watching his journey because once again it's like a, it's just a different bond it's not like a friend that you meet that like you meet them midway through life and you guys are friends for a long time i mean this is someone you have met from his origin so it, it hits a little different when you have a connection like that so just i just can't tell you how proud i am of him a, a, a little side note here too we also put him in the hardy show a project mm-hmm. that we did a while back and he uh when we were talking about this yesterday he said it's so funny how many people come and say oh my god i can't believe cameron grimes he was the kid from the hardy show <laughs> it's funny that was the whole line <laughs> like we would do some sort of scene and then we just cut the camera to trevor out of the blue and you go it's funny you know i love that and he has a decent little run when he breaks into nxt but things catch fire last year he was away due to a knee injury at the end of 2020 and during his time away and this is a shoot uh, he buys amc stock and he makes a little bit of money on amc stock and as you told me he, he sent it to a writer and i believe that's been put out there as well and GameStop stock is actually going up at this time. And he leverages this all into this super niche character that leads to him becoming the richest guy in NXT. And he develops this to the moon catchphrase that gets really over with yeah. the crowd. And here's this guy now, Matt, who is a great pro wrestler, but he's finding a character to sink his teeth into. What were your impressions of all of that? Uh, I, man, I was so proud at how far his promos had come and, mm-hmm. and speaking because he was always really shy and quiet early on. And like, he really, he really came out of his shell and his promos were really so good. And he seemed super confident. And I loved how he said stuff with conviction and you would really buy into it. This sets up a series of really great vignettes with Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man. Grimes would go on to bid for something like an item, like a watch or <laughs> an expensive item. And those then Ted- were those, were, those were really good vignettes. Ted DiBiase would show up out of nowhere and outbid him and frustrate him. Yeah. And this is getting over real big at this point. This is some of the best stuff on NXT programming uh, during that summer. And LA Knight, the former Eli Drake, would align with DiBiase. He'd attack Grimes and Grimes would actually turn babyface. The crowd's really starting to get behind him. They bring the million dollar championship back for this. And Knight wins it in a ladder match and Grimes has to become his butler. There, there are these great parallels to old school pro wrestling storytelling here. This could have been a storyline in the late 80s, early 90s. And Ted DiBiase is playing a perfect role in it where eventually Grimes saves DiBiase from Knight attacking him at NXT TakeOver 36. Grimes wins the million dollar championship in a big moment. Man. Did you get a chance to see any of this stuff as it was happening? And what were you thinking about it? I, I did. I, f- I followed quite a bit of it. I didn't get to see it all. But I, I everything that I saw, I liked. And I thought it was so cool. It was in such a big angle. It was like yeah. such, a, such a high profile angle. What a rub, right? That's the million yeah. dollar championship. That is this iconic prop in WWE lore. Yeah. And he gets to win it. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. I think that's a hell of a testament to his journey and one thing that i really resonate with him matt is he's a great character wrestler who can go in the ring now and he elicits emotion from the crowd right that to the moon is something people connect with Mm -hmm. and they feel with that and when people feel with pro wrestling there's nothing better it's the best feeling in the world so 
where he is right now. I know he hasn't been featured too much on NXT lately, but uh, what do you think of his run so far? And what do you think he's capable of becoming? He's just 29 years old. Um, I, I, he He's just coming into his prime right now. Uh, as long as Cameron Grimes, Trevor Lee can stay healthy. Um, Trevor Goodell can go all the way to the top. To I the moon he, even? To the moon. I think he, I think he has all the tools uh, especially given the right story and the right persona, he has the in ring of. I mean, he, he's a he's a freakish athlete. Like on top of being super agile and and super extremely fast, he's also like a super strong, like freaky strong. And uh, he has all the attributes needed from a physical standpoint and from an athletic standpoint. If he can be put into the right scenario with his character and his story, I I, I think he could. He could be at the very top of the food chain in yeah. WWE on the main roster. Do you see any of Tracy in him? I do. I see. A, I see a lot of the the passion that Tracy had, just the love for actually performing, just being in that ring where where it's not even necessarily about how much money you're making or how many television screens you're on or you know what's the finish of the match. Just like loving the performance art that is pro wrestling. And I feel like that's how that's how Trace Goodell was, and I feel like his son Trevor Goodell also shares that same attribute. Is there anything else you'd like to share about Cameron Grimes, Trevor Lee here as he celebrates his 29th birthday, and we wrap up this episode of the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy? I would just like to tell everyone. I would like to encourage everyone to uh, go out and wish uh, Trevor Lee Goodell, Cameron Grimes, uh, a very happy birthday. As he turns 29 years young, uh, the future is very bright for this young man. And I'm very happy that he is going to continue the tradition of Cameron, North Carolina. And uh, maybe maybe once Jevin finally retired, that he can actually make his uh, hometown Cameron, North Carolina, as opposed to Raleigh or whatever they made it. They made it somewhere different. Just they didn't want to do Cameron because Cameron is so iconic for being the Hardy Boys hometown. He's billed from Burlington, North Carolina. Okay, Burlington is what they went yes. Which I'm pretty sure, isn't that where the CWF was? Yes, That's they, where they right. ran? So. He, he, he actually did live there for a while, too. Okay. So there is some validity to it. Yeah. What a, what a great episode this was. I love yeah. these Omega-centric deep dives. And I told you, I've always been a big fan of his work and seeing where he is and hearing right. that personal connection to you. Uh, it just makes me want to root him on even more and see what he can accomplish as he goes on. And I'm, I'm just very excited to see his career unfold. He's so young. He's so young. He still has so much time to break out. So should be exciting, Matt Hardy. Um, he, is and- a, he, he is a guy that deserves to get yes, this on. Very much so. You deserve a chance all around here. On the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Matt, next week we are talking your departure from WWE in 2010. We'll lead up to it from Jeff's departure the year prior. And it's going to be, I expect, a pretty heavy episode. But I think people are going to learn a lot. And it's going to show how you truly are stronger than death. And I'm, I'm very excited to pick your brain on that. And uh, it's going to be a great one. So make sure you guys subscribe if you have not yet to the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. How many stars should they be leaving for us? You should be leaving five, cinco, five, cinco, five-star reviews. That you should. We'll pick a winner next week in our contest. Check out boxagimmicks.com. You can put that five, cinco, five, cinco, five, cinco star T-shirt that Matt Hardy's wearing on your back as well. And, of course, check out the House Hardy Twitch stream. You never know what's going down there. Never, never know. Lots of mayhem and craziness. So, Matt, I will let you get on your way. The words have been spoken. This has been the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. 
We'll see you next week. Adios, amigos. My skin's dying because you're on